the end of the Second Fire Wars, the realm had abandoned the Tisri Trail, though some still traveled the bomb to mine rare minerals. At the uninviting pass, however, the Tisrian occupation maintained their historic guard. Ho, traveler, called the watch. A handful of Randall's lepers from nearby Janbizmra looked on. Exiting the boom, a traveler on the western flank steered through the inhospitable path when Tisri's sentries interrupted its journey. Stand down, the first demanded. From where have you come? The second called, as curiosity grew among the throng. The thin, solitary figure, draped in a lightweight robe, stopped but did not speak. Gust whipped the interloper's tattered outer wrap, which created the illusion that the breeze would lift him away ere long. As the sentries repeated their orders, a stronger gust raised the inner folds and exposed underneath a linen-like luminous undergarment. The handful could not suppose a real person existed behind the swathing fabric. From inside the cowl, two symmetric slits formed, and a thousand stars, the size of gnats, appeared. As they lit the head tube, one singular face emerged, though two dark sockets remained as eyes. A hollow voice from within the hood spoke. Pray, permit us passage. The confused sentries, so disturbed, were ready to flee. From behind the slender traveler, another bounded in large strides. He was a thicker man dressed in a Tisrian Dorna. Although he had been present during the first encounter, he went unnoticed due to the forerunner's distracting presence. The man bowed to the group in long, slightly comical bows, as if he had presented a minor entertainment. Not stopping, he ambled away, led on, as it were, by his peculiar partner. For the remainder of the day, no one who saw spoke a single word. When the spell of apathy ended, the witnesses attempted to account their out-of-the-ordinary episode, but their story was too fantastical, and their comrades related their tale to bad wine. Salvatore Sept has returned, shouted a harried voice as it broke the news. Guards stationed in the outer gardens hurried to straighten uniforms and dust off their black boots. Soon the Sept entered with trailing courtiers, each on their own camel. At the captain's instruction, the legion of pickets and trumpeters that attended the route to the palatial regent house presented arms and fanfares. The great Sept had come home to reascend the throne he left vacant during his respite since assuming the crown over forty years ago. For two score years under the Sept's regency, the populations in the valleys of Pear had flourished. The once unsullied open stretches of low pasture lands were gone, pushed out by brick-paved lanes or covered by shops, vineyards, and industries of various derivations. Only the western marshes pushed back the inhabitants' pursuit of land. Furthermore, under the Sept, Inkive and Zex became the second largest city in the realm. Jizrib and New Jizrib merged into one metropolis, and Batam Island, where the Sept had ordered his winter palace built, developed into a resort for the wealthier class to play in its temperate weather. Since the overthrow of the Tabith family's hold on the Regency, prosperity followed prosperity, a feat of no little effort as the Sept was Tabith too. Truly, the long-standing feud between the Tabith and the Sept families started in the Old Realm when the last regent, seated in New Jizrib, was Sharon of Clendel, also Tabith to the Great Sept in Pair. Sharon, the only regent to survive the Second Fire Wars, assumed a tattered government. Breaking tradition, she passed on the Tabith mantle to her family heirs, and the name Tabith became synonymous with the role of regent. 
The Tabith family expanded their control outside Pear, from Tomplin to Fair to Glendary. Wherever they ruled, they extracted expiation from the settlements, including the defeated Hartborns, who had resettled as laborers on their farms. Hence, the Tabith family reconstructed the realm under its reign, except for one region, Pear, where the Sept family governed. In Pear, the Sept family were lifelong governors of Jizrib and New Jizrib. Through a coalition government, they kept out the realm, or specifically the Tabith families, whom the Sept considered traitors, as they had abandoned their post to the Sept family name. Fortunate for the Sept house, an inventor named Pinchart, who had settled his family in New Jizrib, the heart of Pear Commerce, developed a series of machines which used water-driven gears to propel, disperse, and generally move whatever the designer intended. A neighbor, a former farmer named Drubal, hired Pinchart to develop farming implements, and through the efforts of Pinchart Drubal factories, agriculture boomed in Pear. Through buyouts and coercion, the Sepp family gradually controlled the Pinchart Drubal factories and produced improved industrial machines. Food production and exportation in Pear swelled. As the propitious Ribian River flowing through Pear powered the gears that moved the machines that produced more machines, Pear commerce reached a never-before-seen height. Meanwhile, in the realm cities, riots and class wars among the scattered populations prompted civil strife. By and large, after the Second Fire Wars, Pear economically dominated the realm and politically forced the Tabith family to intermarry within the Sept clans to hold its power. While the two houses remained separate, Sept and Tabith offspring controlled the flow of commerce between Pear and the realm. To control the rising disenfranchisement of the lower classes under the dominant Tabith and Sept lines, the two houses instigated a caste system upon the general population which ranked the two houses at the top of the hierarchy. In this scheme, the economic give and take between the two powers remained somewhat stable. The industrialized pair gave Fair, Zex, Tompkin, and Glendary its machines, and the numerous farming districts in the realm supplied Pear with raw surpluses and foodstuffs. However, when Salvatore Tabith Sept inherited the throne 40 years ago, he threw off the Tabith facade. To start, he alienated the less wealthy Tabith dynasties. Furthermore, he no longer called himself Tabith, but Sept. His revolution immediately split the two houses and ushered in a full-fledged civil war. As Salvatore pillaged Tabith holdings, he pursued any Tabith resistance. When the lawless challenge was no longer a threat, he gave himself respite. Nothing could better suit him than his palace on Batam's Pleasure Island. Bring the best wines, ordered Salvatore the Great Sept. The male servants, most who were older than him, immediately wheeled in prepared carafes for his company. As Salvatore had never taken to marriage, he required for social comfort the presence of callers who lived as much of their lives at the governor's palace in Jizrib as they did in their own estates. I feel truly rested, Salvatore chitted with those who had made the trip alongside his caravan. Indeed, governor, they laid their accolades at his feet. Limited decorum permitted select sept allies to refer to the great sept as governor, a symbolic title for the lifelong governorship of the twin Jizribian cities. Where is my staff? inquired the ruler in his sixties. A manservant handed him a bejeweled walking cane and bowed to exit. Let us walk the garden before the day is gone, for I have ordered a feast tonight. Governor Cousin, what is this mood that sets upon your crown? explored Mendel Binsept, one of Salvatore's closest allies. 
It shall be my announcement, Salvatore turned to his cousin, and the small gathering which clung to his every word, that the enemies of state have capitulated by decree. Under no duress, their so-called leader, Winston Bedre Tabith II, this night will dine with our persons and join in wine and revelry to decry the years of civil revolt against the Sept House. The Dem crowd waited for their head to deliver his analysis. Today marks the end of the resistance, he paraphrased himself. Prior to Salvatore's departure, similar rumors had spread throughout the governor's palace. For why else would the Sept leave in a time of unrest? The news, when announced suddenly, took their collective breaths away. Only Mendel Ben Sepp knew what to say to break the spell. Revelry. Indeed, 